We continue our journey in Acts, fired up, looking at the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our church. And this morning we are in the teeth of the storm with the Apostle Paul. It is in Acts chapter 27. The reading is just a little bit long, but it's one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. When it was decided that we were to sail for Italy, they transferred Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius, embarking on a ship of Adriatian that was about to set sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Architeus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and allowed him to go to his friends to be cared for. Putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. After we had sailed across the sea that is off Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship bound for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with the difficulty off Sindus, and as the wind was against us, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salome. Sailing past it was difficult. We came to a place called Fairhavens near the city of Lycia. Since much time had been lost and sailing was now dangerous, because even the fast had already gone by, Paul advised him, saying, Sirs, I can see that the voyage will be with danger and much heavy loss, not only the cargo of the ship, but also of our lives. But the Syrian paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship and to what Paul said. Since the harbor was not suitable for spending the winter, the majority was in favor of putting to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix where they could spend the winter. It was a harbor of Crete facing southwest and northwest. When a moderate south wind began to blow, they thought they could achieve their purpose. So they weighed anchor and began to sail past Crete close to the shore. But soon a violent wind called a nor'easter rushed down from Crete. Since the ship was caught and could not be turned head on into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven. By running under the lee of a small island called Kata, we were scarcely able to get to the ship's boat under control. After hoisting it up, they took measures to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run on the Cytus, they lowered the sea anchor, and so were driven. We were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, with their own hands, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. When neither sun nor star appeared for many days, and no small tempest raged, all hope of being saved was last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete, and thereby avoided this danger and loss. I urge you now to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For last night there stood by me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor, and indeed God has safely to all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we will have to run aground on some small island. May Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. Wow. Fired up, but we are in the teeth of a storm. Have you ever been in a storm at sea? I don't know. We don't have too many sailors among us. Yeah, a couple people have been in a storm at sea. I mean, a real big storm. It, it can be frightening. And, and even the small ones... Uh, are, are kind of scary. I was up in Michigan City one time with Savannah, and we were along the, the wall that leads out to the lighthouse there, and it was following a, a storm. 
And uh, the waves oftentimes after a storm are just as powerful, if not more, during a storm because the waves start way across the lake and then they make their way and sometimes they increase in volume and height as they go. And this was the case. And so the waves were crashing across the breaker coming up around the lighthouse, which is not what you want to see. And as we're sitting there and looking out, it was, the weather was actually nice. The sky was clear, but the waves were just crashing. We looked out in the water. There wasn't a single boat out there. And just as we were just going to take a breath, there comes this guy in a 38-foot Beneteau sailboat. Man, I just like even saying that, Beneteau, 38-foot, man. Beautiful sailboat, and it's, he and his, his girlfriend are there. And they're just sailing by, and I thought, man, what is that guy thinking? And so bravely he sails. I guess if you think you got a 38-foot Beneteau, you can, you can take on anything. And so he sails, and it's clear sailing, you understand, up until the breaker there in the wall between the lighthouse and uh, one of the breakers there. And, and I just kept my eye on him. And <laughs> I was about ready to call rescue at the Coast Guard. And the guy goes through the gap uh, between the lighthouse and the breaker. And man, that 38-foot Beneteau just looked like a cork in a, in a windstorm. And it was being tossed back and forth. And I didn't know if the guy was going to make it. He was going to get slammed either to the lighthouse or into the breaker well. Uh, he got out as far as he could to safely turn around and somehow managed to come back around and then came back through there. And so it was a, it was a little while later. I was in the, the lunch stand there talking to the gal that owned it because Savannah and I were there and we were good friends for this gal. And I'm relating this story. Uh, about this guy went out there in the middle of this, of those incredible ways. I mean, man, they were huge. And in the middle of this conversation, this guy walks in with his girlfriend. And right then, the gal at the lunch counter said, so who was the idiot that took the sailboat out in the storm? And <laughs> his girlfriend points at him and said, he was. And he said, man, I don't know what I was thinking. And she said, boy, you better not do that again. And his girlfriend said, he won't. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. And that wasn't the kind of storm that Paul was in, but uh, we all face some storms in life, and now Paul is going into the storm. But just to go on this trip this morning, I want to talk about three things, if you go on the trip with me. The dream, the storm, and the island. And we all go through some storms in life, and there's some great lessons here as Paul faces a storm and we've been in this trip that is, uh, I hope, so many people said this is one of my favorite series ever, really didn't know much about Acts of the Apostle, and we're discovering what it's like to be fired up again. And we've been looking at three questions. What is your level of passion? What are the gifts that you have to share? And what is your level of resilience as we face challenges and obstacles and storms of life as we all do? And in the latter part of this book, we've been on this uh, trip with the Apostle Paul and with Paul, Paul was accused in Thessalonica on his uh, second missionary journey of turning the world upside down. And I've challenged all of us to think about that in our life. Are we turning the world upside down? Now, that isn't always causing a ruckus. Sometimes it's just, just living out the values that are opposite of the culture around us, but sharing the good news. And sometimes turning the world upside down with the good news of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and following Jesus as the most imper important person in our life and through the power of the Holy Spirit, doing amazing things, even as the early church did. And then from there, we went to Athens as Paul engaged the culture of the day in the Areopagus, where all the philosophies were. And we said how Paul set aside some of his Hebrew background and just tried to 
you know, talk and share his faith with people of the philosophies of the day, the people following Socrates and Aristotle, the Esthenes. And Paul engaged in a dialogue, and I challenge all of us to be able to share our faith in a way that doesn't rely on church speak in our, for our own life and to share it because the culture is so unchurched today. And then in our own church, of course, we can do that, but to be able to engage the culture around us and to tell our, our story in the words of everyday people around us. And from there, we went on to uh, Corinth, where Paul talks about the wisdom of God and the power of the resurrection. And from there, we went on to Ephesus, where Paul again engaged the people in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the three purposes of the Holy Spirit, to empower, to engage, and to encourage all of us, and to open our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit and to feel those qualities in us. And then we we went on to to Troas, and we saw Paul as he's sharing faith with uh, some folks and this young teenager in the third store windows fell asleep and fell out the window. We talked about either choosing to fall out or jump in. And Paul, of course, went down and healed this young man. And he got a second chance. And God gives all of us a second chance. So sometimes if you fall out, well, ask God to help you with the power of the Holy Spirit to jump in and the ways that we could do that in worship and prayer and in fellowship. And then we looked last week about turning the world upside down. As Paul was engaged with the Ephesian leaders who come to see Paul, they wanted Paul to not go on to Jerusalem. And Agabus, this prophet, came and took Paul's belt and bound his, his hands and his legs and said, this is what will happen to the owner of this belt if you proceed on to Jerusalem. But Paul was determined. Paul was determined to go on to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he continued to turn the world upside down. Caused a riot because people came. They wanted to accuse Paul of some things that he wasn't doing. And the Roman guard rescued Paul. <laughs> Threw him in prison for his own protection. Heard about a rumor, a plot to kill Paul. And so uh, the cavalry came in the middle of night. They snuck Paul out of Jerusalem. And a detachment uh, went with him, the soldiers, along with the cavalry. And then the detachment left halfway to Caesarea. And the cavalry went on to Caesarea where Paul was in prison. Where we know, I was, spent some time, there's a beautiful city on the, on the water of the Mediterranean, but Paul was in prison for a while, and then Paul was under house arrest. And Paul began to share for two years his faith with the leaders there, and everyone who came from the nearby city as Paul moved from the prison to the palace and was free to walk about, and uh, he talked to Felix. And Felix enjoyed listening to him. His wife was, uh, was a sort of a follower, interested in the way, which is an early way of referring to Christians, the way, the way of Christ. Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And Felix, as he listened to Paul, was informed by God's word, but not transformed. And I challenge us that our goal is not only to be informed by God's word, but to have our lives transformed, not just informed, but transformed by God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Felix was engaged, like we said, Herod with John the Baptist. And then after him was Festus, and Festus was the same way. Loved listening to Paul. Paul engaged the philosophies of the day, very well informed on scripture and culture and everything going on around him. But once again, informed, but not transformed. And friends, today, as we listen to God's word this morning, I challenge us all to not just be informed, but be transformed transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word and the presence of Christ in our lives. And so for two years, Paul is there in Caesarea sharing the gospel. Now, Paul's dream is to go to Rome. Paul's dream, the vision that he has, is to share the gospel with Caesar, his testimony of faith, knowing that he could very much give up his life, as he eventually did, as he stood up for the faith. And that's his dream. That's his dream. And all along the way, Paul is facing adversity and difficulty, 
But God is using it in amazing ways to spread his word. And I just want to ask you this morning, friends, do you have a dream? A dream that is worthy of pursuing, that God has laid in your heart and mind like Joseph had a dream? But along the way, we often face adversity and challenge and difficulty. And sometimes God changes the adversity and challenge and difficulty into opportunities, even as he did for Joseph, even as he did for the Apostle Paul. And so Paul's dream finds its way to a storm. Two years later, Paul sets sail, not as a pastor, but as a prisoner. Not as a pastor, but as a prisoner. And sometimes, friends, that's the way it is. But Paul was not daunted by that. Paul wasn't even discouraged by that. He's assigned a centurion special duty. Centurion is an officer in charge of 100 soldiers, and this centurion's name is Julius. And Paul sees this as his personal opportunity to influence not only Julius, but, you know, the guards beyond that, the Roman guard. And so Julius is assigned to Paul and making sure that Paul finds his way to Rome. And along the way, they've sailed a number of places. And you notice even the storm here as Paul uh, is in this, when it talks about if you're not a sailor, when they sail on the leeward side, you know what that is? It's the side opposite the windward side. So if you're in a sailboat, we're in a regular boat, particularly in a sailboat, and the wind is pushing you towards the island, you want to go on the back side of the island, so it blocks the wind, and if the wind does catch you, you move away from the island. So Luke is with Paul, by the way. Every time you see we in Acts, it means that Luke is an eyewitness and part of the story, but Luke never shines the light on himself. He shines the light on what God is doing through Paul and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke is an eyewitness to all that. And they sail on the leeward side, downwind, opposite the wind of all these islands because the storm is brewing along the way. And they finally make it to a place called Fairhaven, so named because it's a fair haven in the storm. But it's not really made for big storms. And so they rest there for a while. And then they decide what they need to do is to go on. Now, Paul, Paul goes to them and says, listen, friends. Should I get this right today? <laughs> he says, listen, friends, God has told me that if we sail, there's going to be trouble. Man, have you ever received a warning about a storm? And did you listen to that? Now, I know sometimes it's a voice of adversity. So, you know, you got to screen that out. But sometimes God comes to us with people in our lives, with a word of wisdom. And maybe we need to pause and just prayerfully consider that. And so Paul tells the captain that. Now, captains, as you probably know, captain of a vessel does not like to be told by some, you know, missionary that there's trouble and any advice about storms. You understand that? So captains tell this, and he doesn't listen to Paul. He listens to the owner of the ship. They got some cargo there that needs to go. He's got an assignment, needs to eventually go to Rome, and so they set sail. And man, does it get bad. Now, you can read through this, but it's amazing. And it goes from bad to worse. Three days in, they're into this, and uh, the storm is so bad, they start to pitch the cargo overboard. And that's when you know the storm is bad. And then the storm is so bad. It's a nor'easter. By the way, if you look in the northeast part of the United States, you, you'll note that they'll all tell you the worst storms don't come out, you know, the way they do from us, from, from the west. It's the nor'easters they're afraid of, those nor'easters. And if they ever have a confluence of two storms, a nor'easter and a regular uh, Atlantic storm, then that's where you have a perfect storm and things get really, really, really ugly. And so it got really ugly. So ugly they could not see the stars or the sun for days. Man, 
Have you ever been that way in your life where you were in a storm and it just seemed like you couldn't see the sky? You couldn't see the stars. You couldn't see the sun. And that's, by the way, where they got direction from. So they're hopeless. They have to put down the sails. All they got is a rudder. They can't fight the storm so much. All they need to do is just keep going in the direction that they're pushing because if they try to turn around, it's certain loss of the ship. And Paul is fighting all this with them. And then Paul comes up to them after 14 days, 14 days of a storm, fighting a storm. And that's just an unbelievable amount of time. And Paul finally comes up to them and says, you should have listened to me. <laughs> uh, and he says, I got good news and bad news for you. Man, don't you hate that? And by now, they're probably listening to the Apostle Paul, don't you think? And Paul says, listen, do not abandon ship. Now, that's good, isn't it? Don't abandon the ship. And I think, you know, as we think about the church as a symbol or the ship is a symbol of the church so often in Scripture from Noah on and Jesus and disciples. I mean, Paul's saying, don't abandon ship. And I think that's good for us. I mean, you're in a storm. I'm just telling you, don't abandon the church. Don't abandon ship. Stay in the ship. And Paul says, what I want you to know is this. We are going to lose the ship, but it will take you to the island. And you will not lose a single soul as long as you stay in the ship. Wow. But that is profound. And I think Luke wants us to know that. When you're in the storm, stay in the ship. And the sailors are uneasy about that. If you read on in this story, because the storm is so fierce, and sailors are pretty good sailors. They can tell by the height of the waves and the change in the height of the waves, they're moving in towards land. And so they begin to take soundings, and it's 14. Uh, legions, and then it, it starts to go down, and they know they're coming in, and they want to put the lifeboats over the side, and Paul goes to the centurion and says, um, you go ahead and put the next one, Paul goes to the centurion and says, tell them not to get in the lifeboats, because if they do, they will lose their life. And they're still going to do it, and so they go and they chop the ropes holding the lifeboats and set them free. And then Paul says, listen, friends, you've been days without food. Go ahead and take a little bread and water because you're going to need your strength to fight the ways in the last little bit to shore. And they do. So Paul is setting an example that he can handle the storm, that he's got that kind of resilience in the face of the storm to know that God is going to see him through to his destiny. And I think all of us need to be reminded about that this morning. Whatever storm that you're facing, whatever dream that you're following, God is going to see you through. God has never promised that we would not face storms, challenge, and adversity in life. But God has always promised that God would be there with us and that God would see us through. And so it is the case. They let the lifeboats go, and the ship comes to shore, and it hits the reefs. And that is a picture of Malta right there in the top center with a statue of the Apostle Paul there. And if you look there, you can see those are some nasty reefs that that ship hit, and it pounded the ship to pieces. And Paul said, grab some wood and go ashore, float ashore, swim ashore with that so you are not pounded into the reefs. Man, and there it is. And those, you can't even see all of them, but it is unbelievable what that looks like. But it was the place that God was guiding to them to in that moment, the dangerous reefs in life. 
And one thing I'd like to pick out from this is again, that scripture verse that Gary read from Romans chapter eight, verses 28 and 29. All things work together for the good of those who love God who've been called according to his purpose. And sometimes friends, when we're in a storm, you think, well, it just doesn't seem like it's the will of God, right? Paul had no control over the captain. He did his best, and yet he faced this storm that's just tearing the boat apart, tearing the lives of some of the sailors apart. But Paul believed that all things work together for the good of those who love God who have been called according to his purpose, a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome from prison because Paul knew that God works in prison and God works in storm and God works in the challenges and adversity of life. And he goes on to say this, that those who have been called have also been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So what is God doing sometimes in this storm? God is conforming us to his image. Because, friends, when we're in easy sailing, and you just swim <laughs> in the ocean, it feels so good, we're typically not changed and transformed. But when we're in the storms of life, it isn't just being informed. All of a sudden, it's being transformed. So God uses those storms in powerful and significant ways in our lives. But there was something else that was going on here because on the island, which they eventually made it to, we'll spend more time there next week as we begin the last two sermons in this message series. On the island were people who were waiting to hear the good news. And Paul would share the good news of the gospel to the people on Malta, people who have faith to this day, a church that is there to this day because God used the storm to take Paul and the message of the good news, along with Luke, to the island of Malta. And there, a statue commemorating Apostle Paul's willingness to share his story with them. The dream, the storm, the island. A lot of us have those phases in our life. Sometimes they're repeated. But for you this morning, what's, what's the dream that God has spoken to you in your life? What's the dream? And if there's not a dream whispering to you right now, tapping you on the shoulder, maybe you can pray for a new dream. But I trust God has put a dream. Maybe it needs to be rekindled in your life because God does amazing things and wants us, like all the early people, and acts to open our hearts and lives to the power of the Holy Spirit and to discover the passion again and to discover again the gifts and talents that we have to share as we fulfill our dreams and to rediscover the level of resilience we have through the power of the Holy Spirit to face the storms of life, the challenge and adversity of life. One of my favorite people today is uh, Bear Grylls. I don't know, uh, man versus nature and all this stuff. I don't know if you've seen him. He's a special forces guy from the UK and uh, done some just amazing things and had some celebrities on there. Uh, former President Barack Obama uh, went on this where they, they did this flight and it was just amazing because it's like an open flight you know, with uh, two people and did this kind of survival skills. And so uh, he writes about this trip that he took in 2003 in July and August, which is a good time, by the way, to normally be out on the Atlantic Ocean. And so he was going from Halifax, Nova Scotia over to Scotland, but they got caught in a perfect storm because sometimes it happens. And he's a person of, of deep faith. He shares that all the time. And uh, he and his crew were in this open uh, boat. And they hit a storm with 100-foot waves. 
let me just tell you, 100-foot waves, I mean, that's just as big. That can take down any ship out there. That can take down a huge cruise ship, cargo liner, anything. And they're in the middle of nowhere. They lost their GPS beacon. They could, no one could find them. And, uh, and God didn't calm the storm. The storm just raged and pounded that light bulb and pounded them. They were all seriously injured. And they prayed. They prayed. And the storm wasn't calm for quite some time, and they weren't sure they weren't going to lose their life. But here's the story that he has. As he writes in his story about that, facing the frozen ocean, God was there. God was there. And sometimes we face the storms, we think about Jesus out in the ship with the disciples, or when Jesus went to the disciples in the storm, and Jesus speaks a word, peace be still, and the storm is just calm. But there's other times... Like in the Gospel of John where Jesus comes and he gets into the boat and they go where they need to go through the storm. And God has never promised that he will calm all the storms of our life, but what he has promised is that he will always be there. He will always be there. We like it when Jesus says, peace be still, and the ocean and the storm and the wind and the waves calm. But sometimes Jesus says, peace be still, and it's just to our heart that he's there with us in the boat, in the storm, just like he was with the Apostle Paul as this storm raged for 14 days until it slammed into the reef. But God came in the middle of that storm and whispered to Paul, you will find your destiny. You will go to Rome. Your dream will be fulfilled no matter the storm of life. And God still comes to us today and says that very same thing. In fact, God whispers to us and says, all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. And in the storm, I'm forming you and fashioning you into the image of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. So today, friends, as we think about in the teeth of the storm with the Apostle Paul, know that we will face storms in life. And God has promised he will always be there with us. Sometimes peace be still to the storm. Sometimes peace be still to his son or daughter, but always whispering that through the storm, God will see us through. We join me in prayer. Lord, as we think about the Apostle Paul in this storm-tossed sea this morning, we do know that in life we will face some storms, but we do know that you have given us all a dream that is worth going through the storms of life. And we know that through your Holy Spirit that you have the power to see us through, and not just to see us through, but to see us through to our destiny. And you will bring good even from the storm. We trust your promises. We trust your presence. We trust the way that you whisper on our hearts and minds. Peace be still as we trust you, whether the seas and storms rage or whether they calm. You are with us always. We pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And all God's people said, amen.